we are doing The Jerk today. How many of you have seen the movie The Jerk? <laughs> Excellent movie, right? I know, you know, I had forgotten that it was an R-rated movie um, until I had already chosen it. We'd already planned for it and all kinds of stuff. And I sat back down and went, whoa. Oh, well. So here we are uh, with The Jerk. This was Steve Martin's first movie uh, as a starring role uh, back in 1979. And it was a huge success. And along with his wild and crazy guys helped to launch his career, which has been uh, just Amazing. I'm a big Steve Martin fan, and I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, it's really funny, um, and the clip that we're going to use is also one of my favorite clips from the movie that we could use. What I want you to do right now is to turn to the person next to you, and, and here's, here's the question I want to ask you. If, God forbid, anything were to ever happen to your house, say a meteor comes down and bam, crashes into your house. It sets the house on fire. You have just moments to escape. What do you grab? What are the three things that we're going to do three things? What are the three things that you grab? You know, we've all done these questions before in school. You've done that, uh, youth groups. So turn the person next to you and tell them what you'd grab. Funny thing about this question uh, is uh, while y'all kind of got into it, uh, you got a, a lot more into last week's question when you were talking about how great you were. Uh, it was really loud in here last week when you were talking about how great you are. Uh, the two guys up front here, I, I don't know what y'all said, but the two guys up here, um, uh, Will is actually pretty thought out. He said his pillow was one of the three things. And I was like, what? He goes, well, if I'm going to be homeless, I want to be comfortable, basically. <laughs> I was like, well, that's, that's pretty well thought out and reasoned there, Will. Uh, but you know, here, here's the ironic thing about this question in this place is I bet a lot of you lied. And I say that because we're in church and yet you lie because here's the other thing. And I don't doubt this about you too, but I'm sure that a lot of people said both of them said their Bible was one of the things that they would grab. And I'm sure it's because they're in our youth program and David Roper's a wonder, he's not, oh, never mind, he's not in here. Um, our youth program, and that's why. But, you know, some of you probably went that way. Uh, well, the first thing I grab is the family Bible uh, that we have on the mantle that has been passed down from generation to generation. Really? Is that really the first thing you would grab? Because when I was thinking about it, you said one of mine, computer, French horn. I don't have a French horn, but, you know, who knows if I had one. The computer, I would probably grab the computer. I would probably find a way to get that, my big screen television, and my brown leather chair. Because <laughs> if I'm going to be homeless. <laughs> but it tells a lot about you. You know, what are the things that you would take? What, what, what are the things that you would grab hold of if your life were in ruins? If, if either your house is burning or there's a flood, which is more relevant for my family's history, or... You know, whatever it is, what is it that is most important to you basically in this world? You know, I was doing the reasoning in my own head thinking, well, if I have a gun safe, okay, my guns are going to be okay because I can come back after a fire and they'll be fine. You know, if I can just stick stuff in the safe and take some other things trying to, you know, it's like if you have three wishes, what do you wish for? One of the wishes is always for more wishes, right? If you're smart about it, if you play it right, you know, what are the things that are most important to you in this world? What are the things that you need in this world? Steve Martin in this movie, his name is Navin Johnson. And Navin is born to, he's adopted by some sharecroppers. And he is raised in a family that has nothing, but they have each other and they're happy and they, and they sing songs and they dance out on the front porch. And, 
It's a great life as he knows it. But he leaves the family in search of something greater and he invents something. For those of you that have glasses, he invented something for you. It's a little piece of plastic or metal that would go right in the middle of your glasses that you're able to take your glasses off and put your glasses on. Problem with it, he sold millions of them and he made tons and tons of money. Millions of dollars came in. He bought a huge house. He bought all kinds of stuff. He married the girl of his dream. He had a, he had a disco room in his house. I mean, who, who doesn't want a disco room in their house, really? He had all these great things. He amassed such great wealth and possessions. And then uh, after a while, it came to find out that the people that used this would always cross their eyes to see their fingers coming towards them. And it trained their eyes to be crossed. And so all these people, millions of people that bought it had crossed eyes. And so they sued him. And he lost the case. And the judgment was to write a personal check for $1.09 to everyone that had ever purchased one of these pieces of equipment. And because of this, he was ruined. His whole life crashed around him. Everything that he'd ever built, that he'd ever saved, that he'd ever bought is now gone. And his life at the bottom He turns to something and he says, this is what I need. What is it that he needs? One dollar and nine cents. Why are you crying? And why are you wearing that old dress? Because I just heard a song on the radio that reminded me of the way we were. What was it?
That's all I need. Can you just picture, I'm sure there wasn't a script written for this or just an idea and he walked through and whatever he saw, he kind of picked up and added it to it. That's all he needs though. His life is in ruins. Everything that he ever thought that he needed was being taken away from him. So he grasps at things. He grasps at things and material possessions. What he'd worked so hard for and he, and he bought and he built up this great wealth and all of this stuff. When his life was in ruins, he turned to it. You know, we have a tendency to do that ourselves. We, we turn to something. What is it that is all I need? You know, I love the, there's a shot there where he looks back and he sees her sitting there. She's just quietly sitting there looking at him. And he says, what are you looking at? This is all I need. This ashtray and these matches, this lamp. He's missing it. You know, the one person that's there for him in his time of ruin, the one person that is truly there to support him, he's walking out on, rejecting. Because what he thinks he needs is something quite different. I think we all have a tendency to grab on to stuff that we think we need from time to time. Things that we think are going to make our life complete. Things that as our life seems to be in a turmoil, we think is going to fix something. Paul has written a letter to the people of Philippi, the book of Philippians chapter 4. He's kind of closing the letter here. If you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians 4. And, and I don't know if you've ever supported a missionary like somebody that has come to you and said, Look, you know, God has called me to Central America or God has called me to Africa. Or Jenna and I support a, a girl that's over in China. And she said, Look, I, I need some help to get there. I need some help with your prayers. I want you to pray for me. But if you can spare something, I would love your support. And this is what missionaries do because they're leaving behind everything they know and everything they and everything they have to pursue what God has for them in their life. And so these missionaries need the support of the rest of the body. Paul was the same way. Paul was a guy who took on a responsibility from God. God said, this is your job now. Your job is to travel the world at that time and to tell people about me. And so Paul went about his business doing this and he relied on the support of the different churches around the area to help him through those times. And so he's writing to the people of Philippi. Verse 10, he says, how grateful I am and how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but for a while you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. For I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. What a great peace that must be to have in your life. What a great peace Paul must have had because he went through times where he had a lot and he went through times where he had nothing, where he was thrown into prison, counted as lost. He went through times where he was stoned, where he was spat upon, where he was ran out of town. All of these times, the ups and the downs of Paul's ministry, he says, I was happy in all of them. I have learned to be happy when life was great to me and I've learned to be happy when it wasn't. 
I've learned to be happy in all times. What a wonderful peace that must be for somebody like Paul. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. He has a secret. It's like city slickers. It's that one thing. He knows that one thing. I'm jumping movies, sorry. What is the one thing? What, you know, what is it, the secret that Paul knows? He says, I, I got the secret that no matter what happens in my life, I'm happy. I'm content. You may look at my life and say, wow, there's no way I would want anything to do with that guy's life. But I'm happy and content. In verse 13, he says, four, I can do everything. I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. The secret is he knows Christ. The secret is he has Christ inside of him. And his worth is not placed on what he has or does not have. His worth is placed on Christ. If he were to fill the scene that Navin Johnson does, I'm sure he would walk out saying, all I need is God. As the song says, all I need is you. I don't need this ashtray or this paddleball game or these matches or the lamp or the chair or the magazine. I don't need any of that stuff. All I need is you. You know, we live in a society that tells us that that's not true. We live in a society that encourages us to forget that and to say, all I need is this and that and this and that and a bigger this and a better that and a faster this and more of that. We live in a society that tells us the guy with the most toys when he dies wins. What is it that you truly need in this world? Jenna and I have been going through some tough times and y'all have been uh, indulgent in letting me share those with you. And and I look at our situation and and the state that we're in and and where my daughter is and I I see a lot of things that I need. I have a tendency right now to say, I need a cure. I need these shots that we've just started to give her to work. I need for my daughter to come back. And then I take it further and I, I say, you know what? I, I need even more than that. I need to have peace at home that I know all of our bills are going to be paid for. I need to know that I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck, that that I can rest easy in our situation. I need to know that my wife's okay. I need to know that my grass is going to grow in the backyard. And, And, you know, that's really silly, but if you've seen my backyard, you would agree with me. If you've ever looked out at a dirt field, you've seen my backyard. When we moved into our house about three years ago, um, I got to tell you, the people that owned our house before us, a great, wonderful family. They, uh, they were Baylor Bears, so Jenna loved them, but they, and I don't hold that against them, but they're a great family. And, and they took just amazing care of the house. When we moved in, he gave us a diagram of the front yard and of the backyard, of everything that was planted in the beds and everywhere of all the different scientific names and the regular names if you want to go to the nursery and replace something. 
they gave us, they showed us a picture of the Easter right before we moved in of how beautiful the backyard looked of all these flowers. There's all these rose bushes back there. They had a tomato garden in the back. They had all these flowers around and the grass was lush and green. And it was just, it was Eden, really. We had the backyard that was the backyard of all backyards. And so we moved in. And now we have these enormous trees. I mean, huge oaks that have been there. Like when God created the earth, he planted a tree in my backyard. Huge trees. Their job is basically to give no sunlight to the ground and to drop leaves constantly. Uh, there's a, all these trees out there. So, so my first thought is, well, the grass doesn't get enough sunlight. And then I have to think that he had the same trees that I did. And yet he had grass. So then I go into, well, we have a chocolate lab, Bailey. Bailey loves to chase squirrels outside. And so she's in the backyard and running around and the grass is too weak because there's no sunlight. So it doesn't have a chance. And then I remember that Bailey spends probably 95% of her day on the couch in our living room. She's a great, wonderful lap dog, 80 pound lap dog. And so then I think, well, there's gotta be something else. And I sit in my leather chair and I have this vision outside. I I have to see outside where I sit in the backyard and it kind of depresses me. I look out there and there's those hackberry trees growing through our rose bushes. There's no grass anymore. And when it rains, it's just a mud pit back there. There's no flowers really. It is a depressing, the tomato garden. It's just vines now. It looks like somebody walked away for 10 years and you come back and you see, and you're like, wow, this is what happens when you don't do anything for 10 years. Only in the course of three years, I too can improve your back lawn. (laughs) And I start thinking about this and, and I get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I need there to be grass back there. I need for there to be grass back there. I need the weeds to be, I need the mulch pile that they started three years ago to be gone that I've never touched. And I'm sure it has like a thousand rats going, Oh, this is the best place I've ever lived. And it seems trivial to me and it might seem trivial to you, but I look at that thing and I'm like, if I just had grass back there, I'd be okay today. If I just, if I could just look out there and see the roses again, I'd be okay today. You know, something so simple. But in the state that we're in, in the season that we're going through, I look out there and I'm like, I need that right now. And then I go to other things like, you know, I need some new tires for my truck. In fact, I just want a new truck and I need this and I need that. I constantly am focusing on myself and other things. Somebody came up to me this morning and asked me how things were going and we were in the hospital last week doing some procedures and, and this is an amazing thing. Grace has been sick, uh, like cold and sinuses and she's been just draining and, you know, just the nose plunge bulb syringe has become our best friend. If you've ever had a child, you know what I'm talking about. And we couldn't get the test, the test done that we needed to get done. If she were in that condition, we needed to have an MRI and an MRS and, And they can't do those because they needed to sedate her if she couldn't breathe. And so we sent word out and people prayed. And for a brief window, she was clear. For a brief time, she could breathe. 
It was just long enough for them to get the test done. And then the snot came back. But that shows the power of God because I know that that's the only reason it happened. That so many people were praying that she would be clear and breathe so we could get the test done. And it happened. And so I, I look at that and I look at God working in my life. And I know that God has something greater in store. You know, I, I see my daughter and, I, and the, I see something beyond it. I know that there has to be a reason that we're going through this. I know there has to be a reason that everything is happening to her that is. I know that there's a bigger picture, that there's a victory beyond what I can see. I know that. But yesterday I hit a wall. Yesterday I got ticked off again. Y'all have heard me say this before. I was over it. I was beyond it. I was in. I was like, all right, God, whatever you want, cool, because I know something is coming. I don't know what it is. I, I can't explain it. I can't put my finger on it, but I know that you will get glory from this. And that's all we've ever, ever wanted for our daughter is that she would bring you glory. And so I, I, I try to look at her with, with vision that's not even my own. But yesterday I couldn't. Yesterday I was feeding her and she's started this new trick where as soon as she eats, she spits uh, formula out of her nose. She like takes a sip and then one comes out of her nose. It, you know, and under different circumstances, I think it would be really funny to me. But yesterday I just got mad at her. I was mad at my daughter. My seven month, four day old daughter. I was mad at. Nothing she'd done. Nothing that, nothing that she could control. Nothing that I could control. But I was mad at her. And I was mad at God again. And I didn't get it. And I said, God, I need you to tell me what's going on. I need to know if you want me to move forward in this relationship, I need to, we need to have that talk, God. We need to know where we stand. We need to know what's going on so that I can move forward. I was so angry. And I was telling this person this this morning. I said, you know, it's really the uncertainty that's killing me. It's the not knowing. It's the seeing her situation and hearing what the doctors have to say, which is, I don't know. And going, you know, if I just knew, if I just knew what it was going to be like two years from now, if I just knew what it was going to be like 10 years, if I knew what it would be like, I'd be okay. If it's a bad picture, okay, I'll deal with it. Just let me know. If it's a good picture, great. Let me know that so I can handle this season better. So she heard me and she left and she came up to me right for 930. And she says, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. She said, this is what she always says to me, which is great. If I'm ever bugging you, tell me to go away. <laughs> I said, okay, I will. I have no problem telling people off. She comes up to me and she says, you know, everything you were just saying to me earlier, I'm, I'm going to tell you something and I'm going to assume a few things. I said, okay. She said, I assume that you know Jesus Christ is your savior. I said, yeah. I assume that you believe that the Bible is true. I said, yeah. She says, then you already know what's going to happen. You already know the future. You already know the facts. You're waiting on these test results to come to tell you something of this world when you already know what's going to happen. 
I was like, well, yeah, but no. (laughs) She's the type of lady that can do that. You already know. If you know Christ, you believe the word of God. If you have the relationship, you know. And I had to think about it. Yeah, I do know. I don't know the exact circumstances. I don't know the play-by-play, but I know the end of the game. Because all I need is Christ. See, that's what Paul was going through. Paul was going through a world of hurt at times and a world of glory at times. But at the end of the day, every day, it was all about Christ. In the best of times and the worst of times, it was all about Jesus because that is all you need. I forget from time to time about that. And I reach out into the world and I look for a shot or a cure or I go for money or material possessions or I go for food lately. (laughs) That's what we've been doing. Yes, you can probably tell. I reach out for something. I reach out for something to answer my problem. I reach out for something that's going to fill something in my, the hole that's in my body. I reach out for something. And when I have all I need already inside of me, yeah, that's the great thing about having a relationship with Christ is he's there, never goes away. There might be a time when you feel like he's gone, but he's there with you. In a world that tells you to look for something to fix it. We need to remember that all we need is God. That all we need is Christ. And that's it. In the best of times and in the worst of times. You know, as Naban was walking away from his wife, his true love, who was with him when he had nothing, who rode to the top with him and who was ready to ride back down with him. And he turns around and she's sitting there patiently. You know, I picture Christ doing that with us. You know, it's at those times when we feel like we know what we need and, and we're grasping hold of all these worldly things and we're moving along saying, well, I need this and I need that and this is gonna fix it and this is gonna fill my hole. Christ is patiently sitting there going, I'm right here. As soon as you're done, drop the stuff and come back to me. All I need is you are the words to that song. The worship team's gonna come up right now. We're gonna sing that song again. And I'm gonna ask the, the prayer team to come forward and stand on the side of the stage as they always do. One of the things that I want you to realize here is that we all tried to fill our needs with something of this world. We all have something that we reach to. From time to time, we fall off. If you're a believer in Christ, we fall off that path and we reach for something of this world. Whatever it is, money, gambling, sex, food, things, whatever. We reach for something. We feel like that is gonna answer our problem. We forget that all we truly need is God. All we need is Jesus Christ inside of us. It's not always a wonderful time as Paul could tell you. But as he says, the strength that I have in Christ will get me through anything. 
because that's all I need. When we sing this song, if you want to come forward and, and talk with the prayer team, if you want to let go of something that you think is what you need, if you want to grab hold of Jesus Christ for the first time and make the decision that all I need is Jesus Christ, what, if you need prayer for any reason, I want you just to let go. Don't be embarrassed by standing in front of a bunch, a bunch of people that don't know you, but love you anyway. A bunch of people that are in the same place and wish they had the courage to stand up too. All you need is Jesus Christ in your life. That's all any of us need.